This is Talking Urology. I'm talking with Johan Garni, one of Australia's leading lights in functional urology, and he's here to give us some insights into Chris Chappell's talk on detrusor underactivity. So, Johan. Uh, hi, Joe. How are you? <laughs> I am well. You're a specialist in this field. In fact, you've published a very influential paper regarding detrusor underactivity, incidence, prevalence, and symptomatology. Do you want to? Yes, um, my paper was, uh, we looked at the incidence of uh, detrusor underactivity in patients who've had urodynamic studies, and we found that 23% of consecutive patients in, uh, actually, in 300 over consecutive patients actually were di- diagnosed with detrusor underactivity. So it's actually a very prevalent condition. And we know that uh, other papers have also suggested that uh, in those, especially in those over the age of eight, uh, 70 years old, more than 40, up to 45% of patients may have detrusor underactivity. So it's a very common condition that's uh, probably under-recognized. Why is that? Because the symptoms are not, the diagnosis is not that easy. They, uh, they are overlapping symptoms. So detrusor underactivity or underactive bladder patients may have uh, not only voiding symptoms, but they also have storage symptoms. And not a lot of us are aware of that. So they, don't typic- uh, they, they have the typical symptoms of hesitancy, straining, poor stream, but we also have to ask about storage symptoms like urgency, uh, frequency as well, nocturia as well, because those are very common symptoms that underactive bladder patients may have. What's your treatment approach to these patients? Just in broad strokes, what are the big broad categories you like? Um, so the broad categories are uh, some patients can just be observed, some patients may need to do self-catheterization. We know sacral neuromodulation has a role. Uh, other surgical treatments like TRP may also have a limited role. Um, so if, uh, if a patient has had chronic retention for a long time, has minimal symptoms, hasn't had ever any complications, then you can practically just observe these patients. Um, there's been longitudinal studies, especially in men, showing that if you observe men with detrusor underactivity for there's a paper saying if you observe them for 13 years, only one in six may need a TRP, um, and only 4% may get into acute retention. So it's actually quite safe. If they have low symptom, symptom, uh, symptoms uh, bother, you can continue to observe them. Um, those that you're more concerned about, the younger ones who already have symptoms, all the symptoms, intermittent self catheterization is very uh, useful in them. Um, we also know TRP may have a limited role in some men, uh, there's been very interesting papers by a Japanese group. Uh, it shows good short-term results in terms of IPSS improvement uh, at three months uh, on their initial paper, but they followed it up to 12 years. And they actually found that the symptom, the IPSS improved up to seven years, but beyond that, it reverts back to the original score. So for some reason, the, the postulated reason is that the, these patients, as they get older, they probably cannot effectively strain as good as what they used to. So TRP can reduce the outlet resistance, but as the men get older, they cannot sustain the same amount of efficient straining. As a functional urologist, what's the, what's the one bit of advice or what's the one key mistake that non-functional urologists make when they do eventually, when the patients eventually come to see you? So it's the diagnosis that's the key thing. Very, it can be very difficult to diagnose uh, underactive bladder or detrusor underactivity. The only reliable method is to do urodynamic study, but it's impractical to do urodynamic study on everybody. So you have to have a high degree of suspicion. So patients who have both voiding symptoms and also storage symptoms, they, they may not just have the overactive bladder, you gotta have a, especially if they're old, they have risk factors like lower back surgery, pelvic surgery, um, neurogenic uh, history. So all of that, if you're suspicious that they have um, 
uh, uh, under active bladder, then they, they may have it. For, for example, some patients who do not improve after overactive bladder medications, you have to wonder, am I, did I get the diagnosis right? They may have the, the underactive bladder too, especially if they're uh, elderly. And we also know the underactive bladder can also coexist with bladder outlet obstruction and overactive bladder at the same time. So it's quite insidious and can, it can be a pitfall in terms of diagnosis. Thanks very much, Johan. Been Thank an you, Joe. absolute pleasure. Okay.